One way to create a, create a blue ocean, besides that you're different from anyone else, is keep raising your price. As a matter of fact, you're- yep. When you're operating from a sense of unlimited possibility and potential, thinking not just 10X, but a thousand X. I think that to me is blue ocean. And they would come in, they would use coach and they grow real fast. And then all of a sudden they just stop. Okay. And what I realized is that they were status driven and not, uh, not growth driven. You've heard of the Blue Ocean Strategy before. Well, this is the Dan Sullivan, Mike Koenig's Blue Ocean Strategy, which is what is the thinking that's preventing you from seeing massive entre entrepreneurial opportunities? And what I've managed to do inside of this is interview Dan and come up with 14 key ideas and concepts to create a blue ocean for your own life or for your business and create massive value, including participating in what Dan has talked about, which is the free zone, the $15 trillion economy. Dan? Yeah, uh, Mike, um, I I have to tell you, I haven't revisited this concept uh, specifically for, you know, since the book for, first became a bestseller around the world. And uh, I realized a couple of things. One is that strategic coach has moved much more in the direction of being a blue ocean and so has our you know the you know the upper um you know the upper critical mass of our client base but the other thing is that it uh that it has about 10 more dimensions to it because of the um the evolution of the digital age than it did you know when it first came out i think it was in the late uh uh, it was in the 2000s, the early 2000s when it came out. And so uh, it was enormously intriguing to me. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of follow up to do to, you know, see where, you know, we're, we're, <laughs> we're a blue ocean and where we're, we're a dirty brown swamp, you know, <laughs> you know just no, no, no swamp, you know, no swamp. And anyway, so anyway, it's a, it was a fascinating. And as always, um, we think that we're going to go in one direction and we end up somewhere else. And that's, um, I hope this is the joy of the listeners to watch this happen because it's the joy of the two people putting on the podcast it was fun and so if you think you're thinking too small this is the answer you're looking for in fact just number two point number two in this podcast is going to change the way you think about your future and what you do this is capability amplifier mike uh, uh before our sessions a lot of people don't know the backstage to the, uh, but you usually have a list of things that you want to talk about. And you had a very, very interesting take on blue oceans, which is not, you know, it's a term that's been out there for 10, 15 years. I don't know when the original book came out. But first of all, just to start this off, for all of our watchers and listeners standpoint, what is a blue ocean? as it's talked about in the marketing world, as it's talked about in the business world, what is a blue ocean as opposed to, I guess, other kinds of oceans. Okay. Well, I think the, um, the definition on the website is the blue ocean strategy is the simultaneous pursuit of differentiation and low cost to open up a new market space and create new demand. It's about creating and capturing uncontested market space, thereby making the competition irrelevant. It is based on the view that market boundaries and industry structure are not a given and can be reconstructed by the actions and beliefs of industry players. Um, now, my definition of it um, is when you look in the world without constraints and all you see is opportunity in the vastness without competition even being relevant where if you're in a red ocean strategy all there is is blood so um when you're operating from a sense of 
unlimited possibility and potential thinking not just 10x but a thousand x i think that to me is blue ocean and part of the reason i wanted to do this uh conversation today is i talk to a lot of entrepreneurs like you do and i'm always amazed at how myopic people get and they start thinking through that everything has to be governed by the rules they've been operating within. And it seems like those walls and those fences get thicker as they age instead of seeing the infinite possibilities. And sometimes it's just as simple as upgrade your customer, 10x your prices, and change your messaging, your packaging, and positioning. But uh, when you operate inside of a free zone, um, thinking like Dan Sullivan, where instead of thinking about a country creating a $15 trillion economy inside strategic coach, that is true blue ocean strategy thinking. So that's my long-winded answer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the thing, uh, it was very interesting. I was, um, I get interested in a lot of things, uh, related to entrepreneurism, but there, there's one association in the world whose members are family businesses that are uh, um, 500 years or older, okay? But they've always been in the same family. And uh, the oldest one was actually just, actually uh, went out of business about two, two, three years ago. And it was a temple repair business, a temple renovation business in Japan. And they they started in the year 540, uh, 540. Mm. Okay, now there's about three countries that were countries before 540. So this is talking about a company that's lasted, you know, going going on 1500 years. And uh, wow. And uh, so it was but there's about 500 of these organizations. I don't know if they keep it at 500 or, you know, that um, that just happens to be the current numbers. But anyway, the um, uh, what I went back there and I looked and I said, well, what's the uh, industry that they're in? And three quarters of them were all related to alcohol. Really? So they were either a winery, a distillery, a brewery or they were um you know a very very popular for example the oldest pub in the world you know bar or whatever you want to call it is in devon yep. devon same family since 940 940 so you know wow yeah so but it was really interesting i said you know alcohol is probably one of those 10 times bets on the future I always say to yeah. people, you know, uh, what are some of your 10 times strategies? And I say, well, I've discovered uh, that $1 spent on alcohol always gives you a $10 return. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if it's for someone uh, else, not, not drinking alone, but, uh, yeah. you know, but drinking with others, there's something um, very, very um, expanding and multiplying about people when you put them at ease with alcohol. And I mean, there's people who that's not their thing, you know, but uh, I find, for example, it's easier to do uh, 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 a great collaboration or a new business deal with people who are inebriated rather than people who are stoned. Uh-huh. <laughs> stoned you know it's really hard to get their attention you know inebriation they may be hyper focused you know they you know yeah. they, they they're seeing the future a little bit more but anyway the the big thing about uh what i like about the blue ocean strategy and you know and it's really designed for bigger companies uh because my attitude was that one way to create a create a blue ocean, besides that you're different from anyone else, is keep raising your price. As a matter of fact, your yep. Apple Apple is the great example of this. With uh, all Apple products are incredibly more expensive than any other competes. So I think that Apple is the truest player in the huge corporation world. A blue ocean as opposed to you know 
it's not it's not just because they're not doing it at the lowest possible cost they're doing it at the mm -hmm. highest possible cost yes well the <clears throat> so two thoughts uh the first is when you go back to what steve jobs did when he created the think different campaign with um or the the crazy ones ad, which we were just talking about. Richard Dreyfus, he was the first to voice that that original ad, the crazy the, ones. Poem. The Apple guy and the Windows guy. Well, that came after. That yeah. came after, which was yeah, Mac versus PC. That's another one. But um, you know, fast forward with Tim Cook, who is about as interesting as chalk. Um, but the DNA of Steve Jobs got embedded inside Apple. Steve Jobs truly was a blue ocean thinker yeah. and um, held the company to the highest standards, created this high quality, but it's cool to own an Apple product, not cool to own a PC or a Windows product. And that's really what the PC Windows was, but also think different. You know, you're either a sheep if you're using a Windows computer or for that matter, Android, or you're a rebel, a creator, a creative. Um, and that attitude of, you know, driving a BMW versus a Ford, um, I think, uh, got popped in. It, it just meant something different when you're using a computer. And for a long time, there was a certain rebellion to using a Mac in a PC business world. You know, you definitely were weird. Um and it was non-standard. You really had to fight if you had a at a Mac in a in an office environment. Um, certainly not that case any longer. But the other thing that pops into my head beyond Apple is and and the question that I've got to ask is when you meet with a founder and you catch them thinking too small being myopic what is the first exercise you like to do to get them out of that thinking and lead them to a 10x or a thousand x not just a mindset but moving towards hard implementation taking action um and and i have a suspicion as to what your formula is but i'm curious what what approach you take? Well, the first thing is that uh, who do they want to be in the future? So I, I just zero, you know, uh, uh, not so much in dollars, but who who do you want to be as an entrepreneur? Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, the reason the reason they're thinking small is because they've run out of future, okay, for themselves. Mm. So I, uh, you know, uh, earlier in the days I didn't get real alert and curious about why people grew you know and we would catch people at um, the earlier stages of their career you know they'd be you know maybe five they you have to be at least three years in to a business venture you know because you know mm -hmm. you gotta know what a business cycle feels like and what you know the changes from one year to the other but generally speaking we would have people with 10 years experience 15 years experience and they would come in they would use coach and they would grow real fast and then all of a sudden they just stop okay and what i realized is that they were status driven and not uh, not growth driven and what it meant mm. by, what i mean by that when they were little they felt deprived they they looked at people who had more than they had you know is where what kind of house you had what neighborhood was your house in you know, what kind of cars did you have? What kind of uh, schools did your children go to? What kind of clubs did you belong to? And, uh, you know, that it, it's all status, though. It's how other people are looking at you. And the continual growth people, and you're one of them, and uh, everybody in the free zone is one of them, is that mm -hmm. they've, they've already gone through about three or four growth stages that put them way, way beyond what they thought was possible when they started their entrepreneurial career. And now it's about, why don't I want to grow into a game 
where it's just, uh, I mean, it's lucrative, but it's just fun. Mm -hmm. It's just exciting. You know, I get excited. I'll learn again. And I think that what happens when people get uh, uh, caught in old ideas, the cause is them. They've stopped growing intellectually. They've stopped growing ambition-wise. Okay, so that you don't have any bigger future for your company than you have a bigger future for yourself as an individual. Mm. Okay, so I would mm. say that's the first thing I look at is, uh, is, are they close to the end? Are they at the end? Are they past the end? You know, or is there a big jump? Because um, then you realize if you have a bigger future for yourself, you realize that the, you know, your present ideas are way too small for your bigger future. So that would be the first thing I would go after. Mm. Oh, that's great. So I'm going to tell you about a conversation I had um, actually with, um, I'm going to say a group um, because I don't want to reveal who it is just in case, but um, they're, it's a group that's belonged to coach for a while. They've been listeners of the podcast and it turned out they've done business with a bunch of the people that I've interviewed on, you know, some of the in-between episodes in this podcast and they followed some of their successes and they've um, they're very, very well off. They, they money is not an issue any longer. Um, and they actually started the conversation and said, here's what we want our next act to be. So they're using the messaging that I have in the, in the, in the book, um, which was interesting. And, you know, they just said, what do you think we should do? And I'll just say that they've been in the financial industry for a long time. Very, very successful. So I said, well, once you've made all the money, you want to make and you've served the people you want to serve and you want to grow, you know, one of the next phases is to create a movement with your property, not just a business. Um, and it enables you to um, help a lot more people, even people who you might not want them to necessarily become clients of your business. You know, that's the you know, in the Dan world, you've got either join coach or you could read my books. You know, there's there's not in between. Joe Polish is very much the same way. You can have my podcast for free, now is books, or you can join Genius Network. You know, it's $25,000. And um, in their particular case, we ended up going down the rabbit hole um, with what that looked like. And one of them was like, I just said, why not create a media company? That way you can educate a lot of people and it becomes this flywheel. And, you know, they've got the financial resources to build such a beast. So, um, and you think about inside of what you just said here, which is, um, you know, how do you create continual growth? When I watch you, doing whether it's 10x or free zone every bit of that is a continual growth experience where you're testing out your ideas presenting tools doing the exercises um getting results in real time capturing that information, passing it down to your team, which is making refinements to the tool in near real time, right? There's, you know, when you think about how quickly your IP stack has grown just over the past five years, um, and I even would say in the past three years, you seem to me to be three times as productive in terms of the volume of useful stuff that's being made, Um you know, but, the, uh, any, any actually, comments? Actually, I would say it's since COVID started because um, yeah, we introduced a new form, which was the two-hour workshop, and uh, mm -hmm. where you have uh, frequent contact. I mean, if somebody is in free zone in ten times, they could be doing um, they could be doing um, you know sixty workshops a year if they took advantage of all the things we did. So. 
one of our responses to COVID is that we had to go to Zoom. Oh, yeah. Let's call it lockdown from now on, because otherwise yeah, YouTube will flag it. Yeah, locked, yeah. lockdown. And uh, and the other thing was we realized that you had to vastly increase the frequency of contact uh, with the clients. So those were our two. I mean, one, you had to go to Zoom or we didn't have uh, we didn't have a business. <laughs> no business. But if yeah. you go to Zoom, uh, you can have uh, you can make use of very, very small um, time periods that are just not possible in the real world. You know, like, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, I have people who, you know, will see, come to three or four of my two hour workshops during a quarter who live in Auckland, New Zealand, or they live in Mumbai, India, you know, and mm -hmm. well, it's just impossible in the physical world to do that. But on Zoom, it is. So I, I would say the uh, the big the big thing is that uh, we were confronted with a challenge to the you know, to the survival of the company that we had to do. And when we came up with a brand new capability, but that new capability has to be fed with greater creativity. It has to be fed with it. So um, that was, um, you know, <clears throat> you know, I wasn't, I wasn't going to retire with lockdown, you know, I mean, <laughs> that wasn't part, yeah. of, part of my game, game plan. And um, yeah. But I would say this, that I've been more creative and productive since age 70 than I was in the 70 years before 70. I, I've done more interesting, new, useful work uh, since age 70. I'm 78 now. So anyway, and I expect that the future will continue to grow that way. My 80s will be more productive and creative than my 70s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, much like uh, people say, well, how do you know you're going to? I said, well, having really big goals for living a long time is one of the key ways of living a long time. <laughs> yeah. I said, well, <laughs> I was I think I told you about this earlier. Uh, Peter Drucker, um, I think he was uh, see, he was born in 1909. I'm looking him up right now. Yeah. Um He wrote more than 10 books in the last six, I think, six years of his life. And he was more active and had more to talk about. Um, so, yeah, his last book came out in 2008, it looked like. But, yeah, he was just a machine. And um, and so he's, he's one of these big, yeah. contributing, big minds. And I think um, there's something about um, – the concentration of wisdom and knowledge seems to accelerate as long as you keep your body and your mind active. Um, yeah, and so have, I see, I totally see that for you. Yeah, and you have several other things going for you. You have reputation. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, you have opportunity. I mean, you have, you know, you have skill and knowledge, uh, skill and wisdom, but you also have, uh, you know, a, a much wider reputation, positive. And the other thing you mm -hmm. have is that you have, reputation and credibility you have that going for you and the other things you have is that the opportunities keep getting bigger you know yeah and the checks right. get the checks get bigger yes yep um so i'm as i look no at this no, so discount, what no discounting after 70 <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah the exclusivity increases as well so i'm yeah. um when i look at so I'm building Dan's blue ocean formula as I'm listening to you here. So one of them is the, the step one is just who do you want to be as an entrepreneur and uh, realizing that you're thinking small because you've run out of future. Um, another one is the, you stop growing because your status versus growth driven. And then uh, what I added here was um, I put on here time compression but it's increasing connection, engagement, and intimacy. How are you doing that with your audience and your client base? In your case, it was forced, but it turned into creating new mindsets, new systems, more efficiency. Um, and uh, I've said this a number of times, but cr creativity loves compression. Yeah. Um, yeah. Time compression, it loves deadlines. And even money compression. Then, 
I mean, money compression, any any kind of compression. You got to do more with, uh, you know, you got to do far mm-hmm, more with mm-hmm. what you have. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, uh, uh, that, you know, the first drones, the flying drones that were effective in warfare were created by the Israelis, okay? And... Um, and they created their first drone for, I think, in American dollars at the time, $170,000. And yep. the, the, US had, uh, the US had already been working on a drone project for about 15 years. And they were pa- way, way past the billion dollar mark and they had no drone. And the reason is mm. that Israel's got a very limited amount of money. And the United, mm-hmm. St- United States, the Defense Department, for all practical purposes, has an unlimited amount of money. Okay. Yep. So, um, um, you know, uh, so, uh, you know, the only thing that creates abundance is scarcity of something. You know, if you yeah. think, you know, I, um, um, you know, the, that, that's why I love deadlines because deadlines is an immediate scarcity. You know, yes. you, yeah, uh, that's why I love um, um, going for 10 times rather than two times. Two times, all you have to do is rearrange the furniture, you know, the, you know, the <laughs> furniture. You know, you have to maybe do some cleanup. You have to, you know, stop this or stop this. 10 times, uh, you have to have an entirely new game, okay? Yep early new game you don't have the you've got you probably got the skills for two times if you know you just work a little bit harder and you uh, you know economize here and everything else that's easy then 10 10 times is a completely different game you know and uh, and so so i think that's it but the other thing that I, i i do that i add to the new ideas that it's what's happening with my best clients. I'm really, really in touch with what's yes. always happening. So it's the DOS, it's the dangers, the opportunities and strengths of my best clients. And people say, you know, at your stage, why are you still coaching? You know, why are you still coaching? I mean, if you look at other people mm-hmm. who have created, you know, they've got, they've created a cookie cutter and they have cookie you know, cookie chefs all over the world and they're punching out. And I said, because I have to be in touch with what the most advanced clients are encountering that's new to them, that they need yep. some new thinking tools to deal with it. Yes. So I, my I, ideas are not <laughs> ideas that I think up in, in a, you know, in a, a you know, in a silo, I'm not thinking up new ideas in a silo. I'm totally engaged. I coach more than any other coach and strategic coach. I do more workshops <laughs> and I do it with more clients than any other and minor advanced clients, you know. And so yes. my, my whole thing is that I'm just sitting there listening to what people are talking about their challenges and where they're seeing breakthroughs and everything else. And it's all going into my tool making factory, you know, and I say, okay, they need a new tool. And, um, you know, and I, I, and I don't get ahead of my skis here, a uh, new tool for the next quarter, a new tool, because the world changes, you know, world changes. And boy, I tell you, if you think you've seen any change in the world in the last 20 years, it's nothing compared with what's happening coming next. Yes. Yeah. The world, <clears throat> The world belongs to the innovators now more than ever, those who can deal with unimaginable chaos, which leads me to two two big things that I wrote down here. Um, so again, I'm just going to repeat some of the things he talked about, which is, um, you know, we talked about time compression, imp- increasing connection, engagement, intimacy. Then there's the... Um, I just lump these all together. I'll think about how to deconstruct them later, but it's reputation, opportunity, skill, knowledge, wisdom, credibility. So I'm going to call that the cumulative sum of who you are. Oh, it's kind of your total, it's your total, I call it impact property. It's your total impact property. You know? Yeah, there we go. Great. 
Yeah. I think and the other one is, is that who you are yeah. is having an impact outside of you. And, uh, you know, I mean, you experience it because you're inside of the, you're inside of your creativity, but more and more who you are uh, that you most want to be is actually having a positive and transformative impact outside of the world. And you own that property. You know, that's that's yes. property as much as your house is. That's property as much as, you, you know, other things that you own, you actually own. And it can't be reproduced by anyone else. No one else can own that, mm -hmm. that property. Okay. So another one is, I just lumped it as price increase, but it's a constant focus on creating more value. Yeah. Um, now, the way I... Um, and this is tied to the other one, which is there's the constantly creating more value, but also working with the most expensive and highest end clients and customers, which well, is, I mean, I'm, that's a service. I mean, I don't know if it works in the manufacturing industry, but I suspect it does. The really I would say absolutely. Yeah. Great I mean, manufacturers. It, yeah. If you think about, um, you know, increasing and elevating the value of your product means focusing on an always increasing valued customer who expects more, who demands more and wants more technology um, versus moving downward. I, I always tell anyone, if you start a business, never start at the bottom, start and create the most expensive category in, in a business and try to find a way to create a 10 times um, price tag over everyone. Um, it forces you to think very differently. Um, and, you know, going back to exclusivity and not creating discounts or and no discounts as well, as soon as you're you're entering into having a discount conversation, you've lost control of the conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then one that you've you've said before that is tied to this but it's a, it demands a separate line item which is the willingness to experiment iterate and test to find breakthroughs it's having a um living in having a living laboratory yeah um dan sullivan has a constant living laboratory you're testing out messaging all the time you're communicating and creating you know a bunch of podcasts creating all these products constantly in the lab and you've got your personal lab, which is Dan's finding ways to extend his life. Yeah. Why not create tools and make that available? Um, he's extending the value of the business by creating tools inside the company. So I'd say a constant upgraded operating system. Strategic coach coach gets gets a new operating system <clears throat> every quarter or so with these new tools. And then it gets tested on buying clients and Dan is discontinuing being accessible to teach the last course, right? Now you are in 2023, it's going to be uh free zone only well, well, and, and lifetime extender. And the new IP value builder. Yeah. The, yes. With Keegan, <clears throat> the new IP. Yeah. And, uh, yep. you know, and the thing is, uh, you uh, started off the thing about my goal for age 100, which is 2044, that the uh, that the impact of the entire strategic coach worldwide network of active clients would be equal to 15 trillion um, dollars at, at that time, you know, well, um, you know, whatever 15 trillion is 15 trillion. But the thing is, I'm now realizing that it's going to be measured in in uh, IP asset value, the 15 trillion mm. IP asset value. And what that does, it introduces a tool that is the asset value, according to Keegan's formula, you know, and how he goes through it. Keegan Caldwell is a IP lawyer, a revolutionary IP lawyer in our strategic coach free zone. And uh, he said, you know, um, I'm thinking more and more that if you take all the revenues that you've created in your company so far and you add them up, that probably your unidentified and uh, uncredentialed IP properly treated and assessed 
would probably equal the total amount of revenues that you've ever made. Mm -hmm. Well, that's an interesting okay. challenge. Can I make my IP valuation equal to the total amount of money I've made? It's almost like you didn't pay any taxes and you didn't have any expenses. <laughs> yes. So, so I'll, I, I'm going to label this and then I'm going to plus it for you, which is um, shortcuts as multipliers, right? And even shortcuts as amplifiers, because sometimes an, ampl oh, yeah. an amplifier is enabling. Well, it depends. Um, so simplifiers, uh, uh, simplifiers have uh, simplifying shortcuts. Multipliers have multiplying shortcuts. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, so what we look for are where where can we create immediate results with a mindset shift? Um, now, in the case of IP value increase, um, that's one of them. Um, collaborations can do that. You can get a 10x with the collaboration, get access to a whole new marketing channel, a way to 10x the value of a product or service with simply... Um, you know, what I've found is when we're doing our three-day um, workshops, all we have to do is create a better pitch, a better offer, a better brand, um, a better story, and the perceived value of a product or service can 10x in a new conversation, Yep. right? And, and that can be proven within a day or two we call it the sizzle effect it's it's sizzle has value and it can increase uh, a buyer's perception of of value because it's been a reframed conversation um a who versus how is the same way um but i'm i'll add here's the plus i was going to give you which like right now strategic coach has value because of its ip it has value because of its revenue it's got value because of its ebitda and um there's goodwill but one thing that isn't being um valued right now is its data so yeah. this is that guy i was telling you about chuck um who we created data moo that's what we call this company and his basic idea just like when keegan can come in and, and say here's all your ip and there's a way to value that and um, put it into a financial instrument where you can um, finance and get cash for it that you can use for various uh, applications. You can borrow, you can borrow then, against the uh, you can borrow against the assessed value of your intellectual property. Yeah, that's amazing. So one of the things that's um, happening now is it's possible to take your data. And monetize that in different ways. Or um, I remember that there was a, a business. Here's a real life example because I worked with a, a broker, and they had a trucking company. And this trucking company, they were trying to sell it. It was like a forty year family business, and um, they were lucky. They couldn't even get one one and a half times. Uh, <laughs> when they tried to sell it. So that was a crap deal, but they had been working on a little skunk works project for a little while, which was software that helped them calculate um, a combination of, well, basically logistics software. Okay. So it was a time distance, how they were packing the trucks, et cetera. And they just reframed the type of business and made this business a, uh, a company that was logistic software and they wound up getting 20 X yeah. by just calling it something different. And then the, the trucking side was the living laboratory. It became the proof yeah. um, conduit in, in their case, the living laboratory. So I think, um, you know, a right fit advisor consultant to help you rethink where the value is, or now what can happen is you separate the data side of the business and that becomes a separate deal, just like in the case of IP, IP you can take IP. your, yeah, put that in a separate company. You could set up a licensing agreement that could be overseas. Um, there's all sorts of tax advantages you can create as well. So um, I think that might be another 
way to contribute to a shortcut to the $15 trillion is maybe well, there's see, a way to examine uh, data. Yeah, I see the free zone as the central, you know, sort of, if I'm looking ahead, the central road is the free zone. And remember, yep. I didn't create the lifetime extender and the IP until we had had free zone going. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because yep. one thing is that once you enter into a collaborative world, uh, you, you don't want to die soon. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, I mean, the only reason why people check out in terms of retirement is because they're tired of intense competition. You know, they're they're in they're mm. intense. But if you're living in a you know a blue ocean, you've created a blue ocean, and you're living in a free zone, there, uh, you you would never want to stop growing as an entrepreneur. You just you know you just went through it. The other thing is that if everything you create, in addition to making retail revenue, is also got uh, an equal amount of IP asset value. When do you want to stop creating? And if everything you're doing that can be mm -hmm. measured, measured by growing information might be worth four times what your revenues are, or four times yeah. your EBITDA and everything else. Mm -hmm. So what I see is a growing highway where the free zone is the, you know, the central highway, and then you have these other dimension, other lanes to the highway. You have the lifetime extender, you have the IP value builder, and um, let's say the data, you know, the data thing. And I have a client in Cleveland who can measure the your digital footprint value in the marketplace and actually put a value. Mm. And um, and he said, I, I'll give you what a score of 10 would look like just based on your your uh, your um, your digital footprint. OK. And he said, I've never, uh, even people who are doing great have never gotten higher than a three from the original analysis. They have another seven that they can do just doing what they're doing. They can get seven times mm. more value. So these are all interesting, but you know, they'll happen when they happen. And, uh, you know, I mean, um, you know, I, I work on a quarterly basis and I, you know, I work on a, I get my 22 weeks of free days in every year, you know, and take care of myself. And life yeah, is good. pops life, around. Life, God bless America, you know. Life is yeah. good. Life is good, yeah. Okay. Well, here's the here's what I added. Just listening to that last um, block is, um, and so when you said that the reason why people quit and die is because they're tired of intense competition. I, I'd also say um, when you quit being useful, purposeful and relevant. And I know um, when I watch what I'd call the sad old man or sad old lady syndrome, it's uh, people who just can't seem to capture relevance. They don't feel purposeful. They can't get attention anymore. Um, for what they create because they've lost their ability to message properly, package themselves properly, or be interesting to whatever um, the potential buying audience is. You know, that's like you lose your edge and there's nothing more pathetic than a has-been entertainer who can't get back in the game again and then they sell themselves out. Um, but the same is true for a, you know, a former author um whatever they just lose that edge yep yep yeah and it happens everywhere and there are, yeah you know there aren't many people in any line of work or profession who seem to just be able to reinvent their game and reinvent um, who they have to be in the new game but my feeling is that you have to practice that from an early stage that's what the game mm -hmm. is and, um, you know, I think that the coach tools make it easier to do that because they're always asking you, you know, um, what's next quarter that's going to be better than the past quarter, you know, what, um, you know, um, 
it's qualitative change quantitative change as a result of qualitative change you know and um you know 10x has to happen qualitatively before it can happen yeah measurable you know who not how is a qualitative change you know Mm -hmm. no it's good well any um any last well, I learned, uh, or summary I learned, uh, words? I learned a lot about this. And I'm very, um, you know, I mean, uh, there's all sorts of great ideas out there, but Blue Ocean has, um, you know, it doesn't get talked about very much anywhere. And it probably new, needs a new iteration because, first of all, the digital world um, um, changes the whole dynamic of what constitutes competition, what constitutes uh, collaboration, what what constitutes value creation. But I think probably, uh, you know, one of the greatest um, collaborations that Apple pull, pulled off was the App Store. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. They've got two uh, million, they've got two million people doing R&D for them and paying you know, not all of them. I mean, our app is free. On, I mean, but we have to pay to put it on the, the you know, the mm-hmm. app store. But they just turned all their users into their R&D. You know, they just sit there and they you know, watch the new things and then they uh, adjust their their operating system and they adjust their chips to take in the new variety and everything that they're seeing in their in their mm know in their app store i mean that i mean it's not a a large amount of money to get an app on the app store you know it's not a it's um you know they did the same thing with itunes but then there were more dedicated companies that could do a better job than apple could you know right so here's what i'll i'll add to our list i actually have 13 um multipliers right now blue ocean multipliers and the last one i added was platform i think when you look at like you said apple's app store itunes movies um one of the things that we talked about this is another chuck story the guy we did data move with um we defined um four different levels of a company what they go through so a level one company increases by adding more customers, more transactions, or higher prices, okay? Pretty much a linear relationship. A level two company is one that creates more channels. Um, So whether that's sales channels or maybe certifications or whatever it may happen to be. Service um, channels. Service channels. Yep. Yeah, Yeah. whatever it is. So boom, it could be franchising, all right? So a level three company is one that starts to... um, sell its IP, maybe appifies the business, create an API and can collect data and sell it or resell it, but it's metered transactions. Um, so it it may not add any additional overhead. Um, a level four would be like Apple's a great example, Amazon's a great example. So Apple being the most popular, valuable company in the world right now, they've got phones, computers, they sell, uh, they've got a credit card. They're a bank. The, uh, they the sell watch music, become, entertainment. The becoming your medical service, you know, the, you know, I mean, they, yeah. they have 10 more things than the uh, government will allow them to have, which bypass mm-hmm. the medical system, you know, because, yep. you know, the, the, you know, the, American Medical Medical Association, you know the the main lobbying group for the doctors for the MD. Yeah, they can't stand this thing. They said, "How are they going to use the knowledge when they don't have? A, they're not paying us. You know how how can right. you know?" And they said, "Well, why don't we find out how they use their knowledge? Why don't we just let them have the knowledge, and we'll find out? Yeah, you know, you know, without our without our approval, you know, without our approval." And I said. Wow, wow, wow. That that old that old routine doesn't last long. Um, but 
And and what that means for Apple is they're now, I think they're the number one jewelry company in the world. They certainly are by far the biggest watch manufacturer in the world, um, a useful watch. Yeah. Now, if you look at Amazon, they're a logistics warehousing company. They sell their AWS. They originally designed their own tools. And then they're like, why don't we just create a subscription service? Why don't we just sell the tools? Yeah. yeah. Yep. yeah. And and so, you know, why are they now? They just took a, a massive dump in terms of value recently. But uh, I wouldn't bet against Amazon in the long run. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so, that, so their I problem think... is that deglobalization is happening very, very quickly. You know, mm -hmm. and, uh, they have aced the fact that they can access source uh, and transportation is very, very cheap and transfer uh, transportation. I mean, uh, inflation, I mean, if the, uh, I mean, I think there's political, you know, partisan political aspects of inflation, but the moment you make uh, uh, transportation twice as expensive, uh, you can't, you can't avoid uh, inflation because the reason why it's been so cheap is because of yeah. the transportation. Yeah. Well, I know I was reading, I believe it was in Peter Zion's um, most recent book, yeah. that in the 1700s, the cost of transportation contributed 99% of the cost of the product. And now it's like, yeah, not even 1%. 1%. Yeah. 1%. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even that's now, why, after... That's why you had the luxury age in uh, kingdoms because the only thing that was worth shipping and worth the trip and worth the risk were jewelry and expensive perfumes and expensive, you know, expensive spices, luxury items. I mean, the only thing yeah. that, that uh, paid for itself were luxury items. So you had this luxurious, you know, you had, uh, you know, the Versailles court. Well, the reason why mm -hmm. they were so wealthy, because that's the only thing that could be actually accessed and shipped around the world, you know, was, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, you know, you know, you, you wouldn't be doing Kleenex. Well, Kleenex would be worth a fortune <laughs> in the yeah. But uh, anyway, but uh, interesting. It's very fascinating. But the thing, the thing, thing, you know, I mean, usually um, when people talk about blue oceans, they're kind of talking about the blue part of an overall ocean. But I think the free zone, you actually create new oceans. Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, and dirty oceans can be super valuable, too. Um, so the beauty of um, name a problem and create a incentive to pay for it. Um, I'll give you one one more that just popped into my head. When you think about Elon Musk, um, how what's one of the ways he created a vast fortune? Well, one is he started selling rockets to NASA that hadn't been done before. He started making money from tax credits. Okay. Uh, he found a lot of loopholes, a lot of shortcuts to getting a lot of money that didn't necessarily involve selling his tech. He got on the right side of, or the right side of thinking about how to take advantage of incentives on a massive level that no one else had the ability to do. And in the process is right now, not by a little, but by a lot, the most efficient car manufacturer in the world but probably one of if not the most efficient manufacturers in the world yeah, yeah. um the other thing and he, so yeah he took advantage of a resource that nobody was really taking advantage of us is that no bureaucratic organization in the world can have a lower budget next year than the one they have this year mm -hmm. and so right. he says well i'll take your excess budget off your hands right now so that you qualify for a bigger budget next year you know and um yeah but the big thing i will tell you is that he um lowered the costs of rocket launches by 90 percent and and when you look yeah. at the future the future of the world and over the next 50 years um um that is an amazing game changer yes there was um a piece that I watched um, 
and it was Charlie Epstein sent this to me. So it's an Elon Musk interview at the Ron Barron conference. It just took place like a week ago. And um, one of the things that Elon talked about, I'll get this sent to you so you have it. Um, but it's a fascinating interview. And basically, Elon was talking about he got prodded a little bit and he was careful about what he said and didn't say. But, you know, all the space agencies right now can't come close to competing at the speed and rate that they're doing. And again, when you think through the heavily iterated um, testing he can do, it's cost effective for him to create a lot of rockets all at once because he can profit from the testing by putting Starlink up, which Starlink now being able to provide, you know, internet access pretty much almost for the entire planet yeah. um, cost effectively. And because they're such tiny sats, they're not dependent, like, you know, probably 40 to 60% of them could fail and it'd still keep on working. Yeah. Um, and they're super easy and fast to replace. And so um, he just said, I'm creating a lot of enemies because no one can compete with this right now. Yeah. And it's going to get that, that same with Apple. And now that they're manufacturing their own processor chips, they don't need Intel any longer. And they've got so many different ways. I mean, there's the efficiency and cost effective side of what they've done will be virtually impossible to catch up to in the yeah. future. So the other thing that Musk has done, uh, which is uh, very interesting, and everybody says, you know, he's going to lose his shirt with uh, with uh, Twitter. Twitter. And I said, uh-huh. no, no, because we're about three years away where the United States is going to ban uh, uh, TikTok in the United States and mm-hmm. everything. And if you are allowing it in your country, you can't deal with the United States. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the United States has a couple of hardballs that they can out hardball any other country. So they uh, el- completely el- eliminated the exporting of microchips into China uh, three mm-hmm. weeks ago. And they said, if you're an American and you're working in China, you've got a choice. You can you can continue on with your job at the cost of your American citizenship. Yes. And like in 48 hours, everybody was out of China, out of China. And so that's mm-hmm. a weapon. The American citizenship is a really, I mean, a lot of people say, you know, it cost me a ton to have American citizenship. And I said, yeah, but uh, give it up and watch what happens to your future. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> give it yeah. up. Yeah, and right. so what I think he's going to do is he's going to replace uh, TikTok with uh, uh, a Twitter, Twitter Deluxe, and you mm-hmm. know it's mostly just algorithms. I mean, uh, the al- algorithm is mm-hmm. known and everything else, and he gets the market because everybody's habituated to it, you know. And and well, we don't that... really, we don't really care who owns TikTok. We don't really care who owns anything, you know. Mm-hmm. But we, but we don't want to have our use of anything like that cut off, you know, and, um, yeah. 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 I think in his case, you know, I've, I've talked to a number of people and they're like, uh, shite talking him. And I'm like, don't ever underestimate that guy's ability to innovate. And even though as of right now, his blue check subscription got dunked, they've had, you know, a lot of people have exited. They fired a lot of the staff. Here's what he's not afraid to do. He's not afraid to r- rapidly iterate and be wrong and take the punch. Just like when he came out with the cyber truck and he threw the steel, the ball, um, whatever, the uh, the shot put basically at the window and it shattered. And he's like, whoops, that wasn't supposed to happen. But you know what? So he gets up and says, we know what we know what went wrong. We know how to fix you know, it. And Picks, you know so yeah yeah. So, yeah and he's not afraid to bring in you know right now he's got the smartest best ai engineers in the world working for him who will probably replace the vast majority of uh the people who left who were more interested in sleep nap time and their uh um 
whatever the hell timeout rooms and than actually getting real work done. Now they're people and canceling that. Yeah, yeah. People.